Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 13 of Confessions of a Market Maker. I'm your co-host, Ray, a.k.a. All Day Ray, a.k.a. Tony Toughnuts. And I'm here with my witty co-host, former market maker of 20 years, a man who's pillaged retail traders so he could buy $2,000 European shoes that never fit his gorilla feet, a man who on numerous occasions has been mistaken for a CFL offense alignment, a.k.a. J.J. Luther, the proper villain. I'm talking about J.J. J.J., how's it going? <laughs> Good right, jeez. Um, you have way too much free time. Uh, I mean, either that or I'm just, we you know, quick you off the work. head. You know, however you look at it. And, uh, and today, uh, our guest, uh, a man who was held in high regard in the trading community, a full-time trader since 1999, an aspiring novelist, husband, father of four. I mean, literally, I'm just reading his Twitter bio because I'm lacking creativity on this one. I'm talking about Tom Canfield, a.k.a. Kenny. Tom, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? I'm, I'm doing good, man. You know, just, you know, very happy uh, you joined us. Very grateful. Um, so so what's, what's his deal with the aspiring novelist? Yeah, I've, I've wanted to write a novel for a long time. Uh, I love to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I guess I started reading really actively probably about uh, 10 or 12 years ago. Uh, I really got into it. And then I got, I got pretty inspired by, by what novels could do in terms of expanding your horizons in life, mm-hmm. in terms of how you think and um, just broadening, broadening your thought process and whatever. And um, it's a great way to explore feelings and emotions and all that stuff. And I, I just think it's, think it's cool how writers are able to take you on so many different trips and adventures, both actively as well as psychologically uh-huh. to explore a lot of your own feelings. Cause you put yourself in the, in, in the position of a character and go, well, what would I do? Or well, how would I feel about that? And whatever. And, and so you're kind of exploring yourself through the process. And I just think it's neat how they, some of the really good writers do that. And so um, I've always kind of, well, it's kind of what started my whole Twitter thing is, is my love for writing my thoughts Mm-hmm. about what I think in my head and getting them down on paper in kind of a creative, captivating way, so to speak. Um, and so that's sort of where that comes from. And, and so I've got a couple of, couple of ideas that I've bounced around for a long time that I've sort of tinkered with and outlined, but I've never really been at a place in my life where I can sit down and actually do it. Mm-hmm. So, so he- I'm still aspiring. Yeah, man, and no, definitely good luck with that. Like, so are you, are you talking straight novels, or do you like uh, any nonfiction? Um, I read biographies occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really read any trading books anymore. I've I've read a bunch of them. Um, I don't like very many of them. They're all super boring. Um, I did like Reminiscence of a Stock Operator, which is a phenomenal book, but it's also a bit of a story. So because there's that human condition that gets brought into it. So that's probably my favorite. And I've also thought, you know, I'm, I've got a, I've got a book outlined that I would write about trading and stuff. Uh, and I keep trying to think of creative ways to express my, my ideas and maybe put it in the form of a story or something like that. So, 
Good deal, good deal. So, so you know, I, I know. Um, I just want to get like a for the audience, just just a brief frame of reference. Uh, we don't have to dive too deep into it. Um, you know, I just want to ask you a little bit. Um, you know, about your early days of trading. You know, especially trading. You said you um, sure. since ninety nine. I know maybe you said you started dabbling in ninety seven. Uh, with the technology, you know, technological advances. Uh, what were like the difficulties? What was the landscape like back then? Well, we had the internet, which was one of the reasons that it got me back into it. Um, so I had access to the markets, but it was a lot more rudimentary than it is now. You know, you're operating off of a, you know, we we're operating off of a dial-up modem service. So your whatever whatever speed that was was next to nothing. So charts really couldn't do more than just they would just be basic bar charts and stuff like that. And everything everything that you have now. It was just 10 times more simple. Like, I don't think I had, I mean, they didn't have level two stuff, um, the ability to do all kinds of different fancy orders and stuff like that. None of that stuff existed. Um, so you had to be, it was pretty much, I guess it was point and click, but it was, it, it was much slower. Your, your internet service broke down all the time. Um, so you'd have gaps in data and, and whatever, but, that was probably by the time we got to about 2000, it was, it was getting better pretty quickly. I remember in 97 and 98, it was still rough, but big, big improvements. I mean, it, had, it had to be a little the, tilting, uh, like being in a trade occurred. and getting disconnected. Was it not? It was awful. Well, and it was, it, it was one of the reasons that I ended up, um, migrating to swing trading because uh, the the emotion mm. that having your service all of a sudden disconnect on you while you're in the middle of a trade as a day trade I was a lot younger back then and I didn't handle it very well um, and so it, it now it's easy um with everything that with everything that we have, or at least the technology is easy. I don't know that the environment is 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 easy because I think that there's some benefits to having learned back in the the late '90s and early 2000s. That uh, I think that the landscape is so different now because there's so much information out there mm, that I think right, it, right. it over it overwhelms people. Um, it was a lot simpler back then. So, yeah, yeah, no, that, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. Like, um, I mean, so what resources did you, uh, go to? Was it just books? I mean, was there any like online stuff at that time? Yeah, there was this site called tradingmarkets.com. Um, yeah. And there were about five or six guys who would do like daily write-ups and whatever. And that was like the only thing that existed. Um, Kevin Haggerty and, uh, Larry Connors and uh, let's see, Gary Kalpom was on there for a while and stuff. And there were a bunch of other guys that were doing a bunch of other things that I really didn't care about. Um, but they would kind of write. Jeff Cooper was on there also, who's still out in the out in the world doing a lot of trading. Uh, and so I, I I learned a lot from just kind of reading and getting an understanding of how their minds worked and how they saw things and whatnot. But when it came down to the nuts and bolts of trading, I had to sort of figure it out on my own. I'm thankful that I had I had a mentor, 
his name's Pat, who was, it still is Nate. His name still is Pat Walker. He actually is on Twitter and uh, he runs a service teaching, you know, can slim and IBD stuff, which is sort of the, the origin of, of, of my strategy that I have traded for probably the last 20 years. Um, he taught me for a couple of years and taught me a ton of amazing stuff, but I didn't really take off with my trading until I left him and just mm-hmm. listened to my own brain. Because until mm-hmm. you learn how to hear your own voice, you're never going to be able to be convicted about the type of trades that you're taking. It is so important. And I will pound the table on this because what I've, the problem in today's world is that there are so many educators and so many people teaching and so many people giving ideas and so many people that want to trade who are absorbing all of this and they keep trying to find the next chunk of information that's going to help get them over the edge. And every single person that asks me, I say, get Get away from all of it. Get away from all of it. Sit in a room with your computer. You already know how to trade. You know everything you need to know already. I promise you. All you have to do is sit down and figure it out between your own two ears and figure out your emotions and figure out the process and see it for yourself and stop letting other people influence the way that your brain works. Hmm. Powerful. Mm-hmm. Because we all bring a different set of tools mentally, emotionally, and physically to the table. We're all messed up in our own ways. We all have our own demons. We all have our own dysfunctions, addictions, whatever the hell they are. But we bring them all to the table, and it's a unique collection that nobody else can duplicate. So you got to figure out how to live with your shit. Hmm. For lack of a better phrase, you got to learn. Very true. A, you got to figure out what your shit is, and then B, you got to you got to figure out Very how true. to make the market work for you, given that you have all this shit. Mm-hmm. So, how you trade something is going to be completely different than how somebody else trades it, even though you've been taught the exact same way and you're looking at the exact same thing. That's just the reality of trading, and it's why it's so personal, and it's why it's so intimate, and it's why each person's path is so unique so yeah yeah no i it can be a uh, and i think think, yeah i think now everybody the disadvantage of now is that there's too much information and too many people telling you what to do and you can get on twitter and you can scroll it you got all these people going just did this nailed it Mm -hmm. just did this nailed it looking at this looking at this check this out and it's like information overload no 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 absolutely Absolutely. (laughs) So the more of a cocoon that you can create for yourself, Mm -hmm. I promise you, the better off you're going to be. I don't need 15 stocks to work. I need two, you know? And so I I can make a living off of my own ideas. And everybody has to get to where they can make a living off of their own ideas. Otherwise, they're never going to get there. So anyway. Yeah, that's a whole episode in and of itself because I could really get going. I mean, even for myself, relating, you know, what you're talking about to my experience in poker, that you know, there'd be times I'm playing a hand and I'm thinking 
not about what I think about the hand. I'm thinking about how someone I learned from, oh, what would he do in this spot? Yeah. How would he look at the situation instead of, you know, developing my own, uh, you know, whatever you call it, my own intuition for lack of a better term. Instinct. Um, yeah. Instinct. Right, right, right. And it, it, it's, you know, I, I, it, it's a very tricky thing, especially like you said, with, you know, the abundance of resources. And so, you know, with that being said, Tom, like, you know, you, you come across like, you're not like, um, <clears throat> what do people call them? Like these, these, uh, trading gurus, you don't come across like these type. You're not like posting your P and L you're not, you know, posting trading no. at, you know, in exotic locations, you know, with the women in the bikinis all around you. Like how, how did you, you know, how do you want, like it's popular on Twitter. How'd you get such a large following? It's a great question. I'm not really sure to be perfectly honest with you because most of the time, all I do is talk about my losers and the mistakes I make and, you know, people probably sometimes read my feed and they're like, how in the hell does this guy even make money? Um, and sometimes I ask yeah, myself, exactly. Yeah, definitely. sometimes I ask myself the same question. Um, well, but I guess I got on, I first got on there. Well, I'll be blunt. I first got on there because I was lonely because trading is a lonely business. It is. And I had been sitting at my desk completely isolated for years. And when I all of a sudden discovered that there was this community of traders that bounce ideas around and that are out there that you could connect with, because I'm in St. Louis, Missouri, you know, and there, there might be seven traders in the greater St. Louis area. And I only know of one other of the, of, and have no idea who the other five are, (laughs) you know, there's just, and, and (laughs) if you go out into social circles and whatever, nobody gets what we do. Nobody does. Exactly. It drives it, and it's like I, you know, for a while I would tell people, I, I'm an, I'm an accountant. I just, I don't even want the conversation. Yeah, um, it, that's true. It's impossible. Yeah, it's impossible. And uh, okay, here's what happens when you're 53. I totally lost my train of thought. What were we talking about? <laughs> you, were, you, you were, <laughs> Tom. You're, you're talking about um, uh, talking to people about trading and how they have no idea. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I well, but uh, before that, what were, where where were we? Because I I took myself off of my own point. <laughs> I do this a lot. Now, well, now, now you now, now you now you messed me up, Tom. Um, well, well, you're talking about seven people trading was, in the St. Louis area. Oh, he was talking about why he's popular on Twitter, and I was oh, saying, why that's right. Because, it, it, oh, yeah, yeah, because he oh, uh, because he tells the truth. Right. First of all, I was lonely. <laughs> Second, of all, there we go. Now we're now we're on a roll. Now, thank you. I got to take notes or something what you're talking about. I was lonely. And then I started seeing all these guys and kind of, you know, making comments here and there and following who the big traders were. And I was just as guilty going, Oh, well, geez, they're big traders. I better, you know, um, but then I started looking at some of the stuff that was coming through and I'm like, oh my God, these people are so full of shit. <laughs> they're, they're making this sound like it's so easy. Yeah. They're making it sound like and look like and feel like, you know, I'm 27 years old and all I need is $20,000. And in a few years, I'm going to be, you know, on a beach somewhere. And it's just so not that way. And so I kind of started getting my own thoughts of, what I thought about the market and discussing 
how damn hard this job really is on a day in and day out basis and what it really takes to actually consistently be successful in this job. And the fact that it's just not anywhere close to as easy as people Mm -hmm. make it appear. And so I really wanted to start pushing back against some of the fluff that was out there and some of the misrepresentation of just exactly what it is that we do. And so it just kind of grew out of that because I think it resonated with a lot of people because let's face it, you're, you're there and you're hearing all these different people that seem like they know what they're doing, doing stuff. And you go and you try what they tell you to do and you get your ass handed to you. And you're like, well, what? And so that's kind of, you know, so I, I got honest and I got honest about my failure because it's like, I don't need to tell you guys about my success. That doesn't help you. Exactly. My good trades don't help you. They just don't. But my, my, my screw ups, I'm really working on it, guys. Um, my, my mistakes, those can help you. Because here's the other thing that happens. So many new traders, all they do when they're rolling through those streams, I don't care where it is, is think, what's wrong with me? Why, why can't I get it? Everybody else seems to be making a killing. What's wrong with me? And the, the reality is, is there's nothing wrong. There's absolutely nothing wrong. You're perfectly normal. And everything you're experience, every, ev- experiencing, everybody else is experiencing too. Yep. We all suck. Yeah. You know, exactly. we're all making mistakes. It's just that you've got egomaniacs that are only showing you their good trades. You've got guys that are that are only posting the good stuff. And hell, half the time, you don't even know if it's true or not. That's or you've true. got guys that are posting posting things post after, after the trades have already gone or after a move has already gone, demonstrating how had you taken it right here, you would have had all this. Yeah. <laughs> well, fuck, I can go back and do that. You know, it's like, <laughs> is that all it takes? It's like... Because the reality is, it, it just doesn't work like that. And there's an awful lot of pain involved, and there's an awful lot of failure involved, and there's an awful lot of rejection that's involved, and there's an awful lot of soul searching that's involved. And, you know, there's an awful mm-hmm. lot of, you know, you, you're shriveled up on the floor crying. You feel like you're worthless. You feel like you can't get it done. And what I wanted to say to everybody is hey, you're not alone. Yeah. You're not abnormal. This is really hard. This isn't easy. This is really hard. And if you can't make it, number one, it's okay Mm. because most people don't. And if you do, it's going to be by the skin of your teeth. And it's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. It is. It really is. And so I guess my feed just kind of extended out of that. Um. And it still evolves. And I don't talk mm-hmm. about how I trade because I don't think it matters. How I trade doesn't matter. How I think matters. How I process my emotions matter. How I accept what a moron I am matters because that's universal. It's universal to every trader, whether you're trading futures, currencies, stocks, whether you're a day trader, a swing trader, a position trader, your baggage 
is universal in terms of the fact that we've all got it. We're all fucked up. Yeah. We're all dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so all of us can benefit from being challenged from the standpoint of understanding ourselves. And, you know, I, I've, I've gone on little speeches where I talk about getting to know your demons and taking them out to lunch and learning who they are and having drinks with them and stuff like that, just kind of making jokes about it. But the point is, is you don't overcome them. You don't get rid of them. You just figure out how to live with them and make them a either work for you or at least not work against you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and and so for you, Tom, how did you, how did you develop that? How do you, how do you do that? Well, I, well, there's a lot of ways to develop and, I, and, and it's, and it's still a work in progress. Um, but I had to become a swing trader because I simply was not emotionally mature enough to day trade. I tried day trading. I wanted to be a day trader so bad I could barely stand it. And I blew up so many accounts day trading because I emotionally could not control myself when I started. Tom, how long did it take you to realize that? About $50,000. Oof. Mm. Um, really fast. Uh, f- originally, it was two different futures accounts. I started actually trading futures with zero knowledge. Wow. I think the first $10,000 account took me six weeks. The second one, probably more like eight or nine weeks. And then I realized maybe there's something else I need to look into doing. And got back more into stocks and tried to day trade stocks, but still no premise. I had no foundation of what I was doing. Um, But I realized as soon as I found swing trading, that there was a much more mechanical swing trading is a much more, it's much more mechanical because now you're working off of slower time frames. You're working off of daily charts. You're working off of, of, of pictures of a full day. Yeah. And, and so decision-making can be clear because guess when you can analyze those charts and make decisions at nighttime, market's not open. Everything's quiet. Your brain is quiet. It's not screaming at you. And you can make better decisions. And so I started to work on that. And I studied charts, daily charts, hours and hours and hours and hours, every single day, into the wee hours of the morning, sitting with my laptop, scrolling through charts, finding bars and moves and analyzing them and figuring out what was the commonality between that move and this move all off of daily charts. And then Pat Walker came into my life and he added a whole nother layer onto it that made incredible sense to me. Uh, and that really became the foundation of what I did. I mean, I became a momentum stock swing stock trader. I was trading, you know, I would hold stocks for about three to 10 days and find those explosion moves. And I got pretty good at it. And most of my work would be done analyzing it at night. Um, you know, for me, the other issue is I got four kids and when I started trading, my youngest was, I don't think my youngest was even born yet. Wow. 
no, he wasn't. Um, and my oldest was about four and we had three of them in diapers. And so it was a little chaotic. Um, and then as they got older, uh, all three of my boys got really actively into hockey and got pretty good. And so we're traveling all over the country and I'm coaching and whatnot. And that became a huge part of our life. And so trading was never hmm. the priority in my life. It just couldn't be because I really wanted to be a dad. Um, and so swing trading lended itself to my ability to do that because I could do my work at night after they went to bed and I could kind of check things during the day and the market and whatever. But, but to day trade effectively, you've got to have that continuous flow of kind of knowing and feeling what's going on in the market on a regular basis, in exactly. my opinion. At least. And, and I say that now because as my youngest just left for college, and so my wife and I are empty nest now, and I have so much more time on my hands again, I always wanted to be a day trader. And so I have migrated back over the last year, slowly but surely, actually to day trading. And it's a whole lot easier this time around um, than it was back then. And a lot of it has to do with, A, I've got a lot of experience now. So I have a better sense for what it is I'm trying to do and what I'm looking for. Um. And two, the, the, the foundation that I've always used for swing trading, define your environment, define your candidates, define your triggers. It's exactly the same. It's just completely different time frame. And, and now I'm doing it more with major stocks working off of futures um, and, and everything which is stuff that I always monitored and did in conjunction with my swing trading, but I never traded that stuff. Now I'm actually trading it. And um, I love it because it's a lot less, it's lower risk, it's lower stress. It frees me up to do a lot of other things because I've got a lot of other interests that I want to explore now in life. But because um, the overnight risk finally wore me out over, over, over time. And that's, you know, that's stuff that we can delve into a little bit more, but it's just the cumulative risk as you grow and your pot gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and you keep taking bigger and bigger positions. Um, you know, I found my limit of where I could, and I, that I couldn't get past. Um, and the nature of the market's a lot different than it used to be starting in about 2000, I want to say 2016, I really noticed it. Yeah, me too. Um, and since then, I have found uh, overnight risk to be uh, a lot harder to deal with than it, than it used to be. A um, lot gappier because markets are more global. And so everything that's going on around you, you know, part of it's because of all the news. That's, it's not like it's changed. It's just everything's immediate now. Exactly. Um, I think I, I I think algorithmic trading has has put an impact on that because it makes the gaps bigger, both positively and negatively, uh, and therefore it causes stock behavior to be different. Um, obviously, you know the all the tweeting and everything certainly makes things really interesting over the last year or two. <laughs> um, but 
if you're day trading, you can use that stuff to your advantage. And when you're swing trading, you're like, well, how do I get myself out of this mess that is totally unexpected and, and stuff. And so I just, I got tired of that and, and I wasn't making as much money quite simply. Um, I was, I was struggling, uh, to achieve the same numbers that I had achieved for, for a lot of years. And so, you know, and you know, the other side of it, and this may sound kind of crass and weird is I got bored, which probably contributed to my performance. Um, you know, trading got stale to me. It was the same thing every single day. The process was the same and I could only maintain that for certain periods of time. Mm. Um, I know I'm rambling, but yeah, no, no I mean, it, you, I mean, there's no great stuff. I mean, I mean, exactly. I mean, if, if you're, I mean, cause I find that for myself too. I mean, like if you're not into it, like, and if it's boring, like uh, that's come up with me numerous times in poker and I'm just, I'm just flinging money around. You know what I mean? It's, it's, Right. Yeah, it's not conducive. Well, but to use the poker analogy, because one of the one of the things that I think is so important for young traders to understand is that environment, nothing else matters if you don't have the right environment for your style. Exactly. Mm. Nothing matters. So assessing the environment, understanding the environment, and understanding what you are doing in relation to that environment is so paramount. And I, and I have so many people that, that don't seem to get this when I talk to them about it. They're like, well, this is, you said, you said do this, this, and this. And I'm like, yeah, oh, but the environments, context. the environment's totally different right now. You should be doing nothing. Exactly. That trade's not going to work right now. Yeah. It might, oh, work, it might work in two yeah. months, but that trade's not working right now. Yeah. Well, you didn't tell me that. I'm like, well, I, you know, environment yeah. makes a huge difference. When I'm swing when I was swing trading and I'm swing trading gross, you know, momentum growth stocks. There's literally 2 to 4 and I'm I'm a breakout trader. There's literally 2 to 4 times during the year for somewhere between 3 and 5 weeks where that style pays and pays really well. Wow. And then the rest of the year it doesn't pay you crap. Got it. Because everything is everything is everything's a stuff. The breakouts are false. You've got to flip and become a pullback trader. And you've got to be able to sense that and know that and understand what your environment is. Hmm. I mean, that that's gotta be mentally that, it's gonna be tough mentally, man. It's well when I was running around the country with, 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 with my kids playing hockey and had all kinds of other things going on so that I could look and go, yeah, the in environment's not right. I got tons of other stuff I got to go do. And so I'm just not trading this month. It was fine. Mm -hmm. But as I've built more freedom into my life and I like to trade, I was finding, you know, it's like, okay, well, I know this isn't a good environment, but you know, I've been trading for 20 years. So I, I, you know, I'm a pretty smart guy. I can I can wing it and make something work here. Yeah, that that thought process doesn't work out real well. No, um, it does not. No, it doesn't. Oh. And so understanding your environment is essential. Why do I day trade now? Because the environment for day trading 
Now you have to change your your methodology a little bit here and there, but there's always opportunities by and large that are created on a daily or at least on a weekly basis where you don't have these huge dry runs where there's nothing going on or at least nothing going on for your for your style. But I would I would make all of my money in 3 months and I would spend the other 9 months working my ass off not to give it back. And that's that's pretty much I mean, usually January was really good. Usually one of the months, February, March, or April was good. One of the months between May, June, and July was good. August usually sucked. September usually sucked. And you usually had a decent stretch somewhere after a low was made in October. You had a stretch where things were pretty good going into the end of the year. That's how it worked. And it used to be like that pretty consistently. It's not quite that way anymore. So, well, that, you know, that, that is, that is definitely like when you, when you talk about things, you know, like when it swings well into the end of the year, I, I always remember Eddie Murphy in trading places, you know, because you're, you're always, you know, everyone wants to mark up those positions so they can get the GI Joe with the Kung Fu belt. Yep. You know, um, right. you know, year end, right. Uh, bonuses, you know, things like that. So we've got to make the books look good. You know, it's, uh, I always think about that one, <laughs> but it's a lot of downtime. I mean, the, the reality is, is. is that method yeah. is a ton of downtime it is. And, and it just, it got stale for me. Yeah. Um, I, I know that may be hard to hear, but it really, it got, you know, I'm like, so jazzed doing this new trading the way that I'm trading now. It took me about a year to figure it out. And I, and so I can flip a switch and swing trade when that stuff lines up so quickly because it's just like, right. I mean, it's, it's, it's riding a bike for me. Yeah. And I still do the work every single week. And still do my still do my scans and still create my list because my master list is what tells me what the environment is. Nice. It helps me understand whether we're in a in a situation where things are 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 healthy or they're not healthy or to stay away. And it's helping me as I'm as I'm doing my day trading because it helps me understand if I'm in a choppy market or if I'm if I'm in a market that wants to run. That's uh, uh, that's that's like a that's like a page right out of reminiscence of a of a stock operator the way Livermore kept track of of his lists you know I, I'm uh, I'm maniacal about it and it usually yep. ends up being somewhere between thirty five and fifty stocks by the time I'm done with it that I define that meet my criteria of the leaders which are the yep. growth leaders of that period whatever they are a lot of software stocks have been that way for for uh for a while but they've been getting cream the last handful of days or whatever but um you and i can get a better sense for what's going on in the market and what might be going forward for the market just by looking at those 35 to 50 stocks and seeing how they're doing and seeing how they're acting and seeing how they're behaving on a daily basis and so probably two to three times a week after the market closes i just scroll through that list and i look at them just to get a vibe are we still healthy? Are we not healthy? Are things fraying at the edges? Because the other thing is, as I keep that list, even when the market's in a downturn and I'm keeping that list, all of a sudden I'll start seeing stocks firing off and starting to look really strong way before the market turns. So you know Interesting. it's 
Got it. So it's it's always worked kind of as a very good leading indicator from that standpoint, but it's also a really good indicator when we're getting a little long in the tooth on the upside. Yep. Because the leaders are the first ones that they start taking out. And this happened a year ago last September, right at this time. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, all the leaders started to fail. And they started bidding up stuff like energy and some of the some of the some of the bottom feeder sectors of the time to support the S and P. Okay, which is kind of what has been happening over the last four or five days. Now that doesn't mean anything because it could just be rotation and whatever because semiconductors have been strong and whatever. But what what you saw last year was all of a sudden I'm looking at my charts and I'm going, I don't see anything I want to buy anymore. But the market oh, keeps okay. going, and all my oh, charts boy. of the stocks that I love look like crap. And so I'm out. So I sold everything and you know that worked out well. But you just I've never found a better indicator. I've looked all over the place and I've never found a better indicator for me than that list that I cultivate every I do it every Sunday night. It takes me about an hour to go through all my scans and then purify it and kick out all the, all, all the bad stocks that I don't like. And it usually comes down to somewhere between 35 and 50 stocks. And I know those stocks. And the list doesn't change that much from week to week. Maybe five fall off and five new ones come in and whatever here and there. But during a cycle of strength, they will, they will stay pretty much the same. And so fascinating. That's how I and, and and so from there I kind of have a handle on on how I feel about the environment. And right now I'm I've gone to more cautious footing because I don't have anywhere near as many of those charts that look decent. And a lot of them look like well, they look like shit. <laughs> so that doesn't mean that it's you know, it can either mean we're 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 headed for a correction or we're just going through a choppy rotation period where where new growth sectors are going to come along and take the lead. So got it. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, you know, as as you're talking and, and talking about these sectors and different stocks giving out warnings, I'm, I'm sort of because I've I've only been a retail trader four years before it was completely you know as as a manipulator for you know fun guys and promoters. So learning retail for me has been fascinating, and and thank God I found Market Profile because I mean the amount of work that you do probably to have come up with that list and realized how it works during cycles and rotations. Um, I kind of look at market profile that way to tell me, you know, when, when the market's getting too heavy, it'll show it, or if it's on bad structure, it'll show it. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, that, that's what I was thinking about when you, when you were talking, but I, I can see how it's taken you, that period of time to develop that sort of methodology, you know, um, it it took a lot of years, you know, uh, you know, and you keep playing with scans and tweaking them to try and find just, you know, the right mix, Mm -hmm. um, of the names that are going to fairly represent what the, what the true tone of the market is. And, and it's, it's by no means, you know, foolproof, but it has, it has helped me tremendously in terms of guiding me, um, when to be aggressive and when not to be aggressive. And so that's been, uh, for, uh, for all you new traders, sorry, I just, I I just got to say for all you new traders out there listening to this, 
Um, not to date ourselves, but this is this is how old school traders do the work, and it and it's it's not glamorous, and it's not you know it, it, it's something that you have to really enjoy the process to do because it takes time. I mean, you know, he does his hour on Sunday night, but I'm sure he does if you're you know he's trading actively. I'm sure um, you know you you look at stuff every night. Um, you know, and we have a process and that discipline where you, you know, we don't just sit down in front of a computer and start making money. Um, it, it doesn't work that way. So, um, I, I just wanted to, to sort of bring that to life and I'm not trying to tell people not to start trading because it's a lot of work. It is, but it is very, very you gratifying have, when you, but JJ, you you've got to be, you know, you've got to be obsessively curious. That's true. That's in your true. First, like five years you're it's like looking for the needle in the haystack and and you're not going to find it because somebody else told you where it was very true you know what what i had to do or what i did do is i you know and i use marketsmith as my is the software platform that i that i use to do all this stuff in um and I would take their charts and I would look at a, I would look at a chart, whatever it was, and I would find a move on a, on a given stock that I said, that's the kind of move I want to find. And then I would literally back that chart up. And I mean, I would do this for hours and hours and hours, day after day after day after day. And I would back that chart up. So that I couldn't see the move to the day right before the move occurred. And I would stare at it. And I would just stare at it. And then I'd find another one and I would, I would line them up and I would just stare at these charts. And I know that the next day that stock explodes for 5% on three times average volume and then takes off for another 15% in the next week. What what am I looking at right now that tells me that there's a good chance that that might happen because I can't see it. So you just play this game where you find the explosive moves ah. and then you back it up and you look at the, the week, the month, the three months, the six months prior to that move. And, and I would do this constantly trying to find the common link is there a common link that allows me to get into these moves that lets me find these moves so that when they start to happen, I know what's happening and I can, I can aggressively attack it. And it took me forever. And I still don't know that I found, but I found enough clues that allowed me to take advantage of enough of these moves over the years to, to make a living. But that's, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't glamorous. It wasn't, it was just, it was a lot of fucking hours (laughs) (laughs) and a lot of work. And, and it is. And so you have to be obsessively curious and you sure as hell better enjoy it. Exactly. You You better enjoy trying to find a needle in a haystack. It's not, it's not, God, I want to make a shit ton of money. That's going to drive you to do that. No, exactly. You got to have something in your, something in your, in, in your gut that says, I like figuring shit out. 
I like, exactly. I like finding things that other people don't find. I like to be different. I like to be better than the next guy. Yeah. You know? And yeah, like, you know, for me, it was, um, I always loved mechanics, taking things apart and, and, and how they see how they worked. And when I got to work on the institutional side, I was, you know, I was in the bowels of the system in clearing and things like that. So, you know, uh, I learned, you know, how to, how to be a mechanic. I was like a stock mechanic. People yeah. would come to me with a broken stock and I'd fix their stock because some promoter had trampled all over it or something like that. Or they'd come to me to engineer a short squeeze or something like that. So I'd set that up. So I, I took that to retail trading and that's how, that's kind of how I think. Um, but yeah, definitely. And, uh, I, I do spend a lot more hours than I probably should <laughs> looking at, uh, looking at charts. Well, but it's cause we like it. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I still yeah, like that's it. That's true. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. I look at them a little differently today than I used to. Um, and they trade differently than they used to trade. Mm-hmm. Um, which has been an adjustment and, and, and why the, like for swing trading, you need follow through. You have to yes. have you have to have follow through for, tra- for to be successful at swing trading. So you've got to find patterns that coil, yes, and give you ex- and and because because it's all about volatility. It's like you go from volatility expansion to volatility contraction to volatility expansion again. It just goes. It's like an accordion. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to find those charts where it expands and it contracts and it expands and it contracts and then it needs to contract in, in a certain way with a certain type of volume pattern. And you don't find as many of those contraction patterns as yep. you used to. Yeah. It's it's interesting, at least at, at least right now. And that may all change because every 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 you know, every cycle has its season and the market has a lot of different faces that it wears. And this is just an interesting face that it's got on right now that, but for day trading, I don't need follow through momentum. Yeah. I need, I need, I need follow through from yesterday to this morning until nine 15. Yeah, exactly. Which is fine because I'm trading institutional (laughs) stocks. I'm not trading low float stocks. I don't get that. I think that thing, you know, you understand that market really well because you, you, you know, you rape people left and right with it. So, you know, and I'll let, I'll let you, you know, sit in your rocking chair later in life out on the porch and see how you feel about yourself with respect to all that. That's on you. Well, why do you think I'm training new traders? <laughs> bringing, bringing your karma back into balance is exactly what you're I'm trying. I'm trying you're doing a great job, JJ. You're doing a great job, but I, I, what I did learn through all of my swing trading is how institutions buy stocks. Yeah. Institutions have a very um, routine way of accumulating positions. Let's be honest. They can't buy a stock all at once, especially the smaller cap institutional, what I would consider mm-hmm. it, that, which is what, which was the main area that I played in for a long time. But okay. like at, now I'm dealing with bigger institutional stocks with my day trading because I want high liquidity. So exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm trading at Apple and I'm trading Netflix and I'm trading Roku and I'm trading Tesla and, you know, and, and as well as spy and cues and stuff like that. Um, because I want that liquidity because I need to know that I can get in and out in a really tight spread. Um, 
with what I'm trading. Yeah. But so those, but they have, they all have personalities and there's ways that those, those stocks get worked. Exactly. That lends itself to a certain type of trading. And I've watched it for so long that I just kind of get it. Mm-hmm. Um, the smaller stocks, which is where I used to play all the time, um, are not as reliable as they used to be. And their patterns are a little different than they used to be. Um, that would, it's, I, I'm just going to say that I don't need to get into the explanation as to what makes them different and whatever, but, um, but I, I learned from, I want to, I want to buy stocks where I've got a lot of friends with way more money than me that have a vested interest in seeing them go up. No, oh, it's just that, that, that is, that's, that's a very, uh, that is one of the smarter things I've heard this week. That's, that's great. That's exactly. So if you're swing trading, make sure you're swing trading stocks that are going up, that have institutional ownership, where the institution, the number of institutions that are buying these stocks is growing. <laughs> exactly. So that you know that you have a bunch of friends around you with way more power than you that have a vested interest in wanting to see that stock go higher. So they will always be there buying support. Exactly. It's like being a little guy in the bar and a fight breaks out and it's good to have some big buddies around you. That's right. You know, <laughs> you're just, you're just attaching yourself to really rich friends. Mm-hmm. It's just, exactly. and, and, and riding their coattails for a little while and then getting off and going and finding another one. I mean, it's just, it's not, it's all it is. And I don't know that it's a whole lot different in day trading if you're trading these big these big stocks. You know, with the smaller stocks and the low float stocks, I mean that's like that's a whole other world. I tried it for a year and I got absolutely destroyed. Cuz it's such I, I don't such I don't know. Mindset. I haven't met anybody who has retail traded um day traded like this low float stuff and done well at it consistently. I know a couple of guys right? do pretty well but by and large most people get killed because it's so erratic it and is no support it, support exactly there's you know it's it's yeah. just all all a bunch of little guys trying to be operators exactly that that's number 1 and then there's always especially in the low float stuff there is always a fund um, that owns stock at a 30, 40% discount to the lowest price the thing's ever traded at. Yeah. Because that's when they'll finance it. Because guys like me, they call me to, to short the thing while they're talking to the company so they can finance it at lower and lower prices. Right. So I'm leaning on it for them while they're, while, you know, while, while they're extorting the company. And you can so, lean on it, but you can't lean yeah. on Apple. No, you can't. That's the can't, beautiful you, thing about it. I mean, that's exactly. what's beautiful. And so it's like, yeah. It's these are these are huge companies and institutions that have to take a position and have to play that stock every single day. Exactly. I mean, if you've got BlackRock behind you, you know, it's like having the biggest buddy in the bar, you know. So anyway, I so for the young traders that are out there, I you know, before you I mean, if you want to go trade low float stocks, have at it. And learn how to trade first. Don't make that your yeah. don't make that your your first adventure. Like seriously, exactly. trade trade stocks that have a little bit more consistency and reliability to them. Yeah. I can make a good living just trading Apple. It's not like you need to trade a five dollar stock that's going to go up forty percent to make a living. 
Exactly. I, and then you have to find a new one every week. Right. Now, yeah. and, and it requires you to be very, very good. You're going to get lucky. You're going to hit one. Your $5,000 account's going to turn to $8,000. You're going to think you're, you know, a big swinging dick. And, and <laughs> before you know it, that account's going to be worth 500 bucks because the next one that comes along is going to show you the exact same look. And then it's just going to absolutely air pocket on you. And exactly. It's just, it's just the nature of that business. So. Make sure you're well capitalized before you go into doing that stuff and make sure that you've traded for a while and you've learned how to do it. I I mean, I'm not going to begrudge anybody trading whatever market they want to trade. That's, I mean, that's the beauty of this business. Yeah. But find one thing and get really freaking good at it. Yeah, exactly. really good and learn the market and learn yourself through that one thing. And then if you want to expand, fine. But don't go try the hardest damn thing in the world. It's like, hey, Let's go play hockey before we learn how to skate. <laughs> exactly. Well, you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the one thing that, you know, we were talking about, I said, you know, when you came on, I asked how your day was. And, um, you know, you said you had a good day. You were done early in the day. Yeah. Um, and and then we started talking about, you know, people playing. And, and I've heard this. I haven't really, I heard this a lot in the last six months, uh, this, this term house money. Oh. oh, I'm up. I'm playing with house money. And I just see red when I hear that, because I'm like, you know, you're not at Haro's in Las Vegas. You know, this is a job. Not house money. It's your money. You just earned. <laughs> exactly. Guard yeah. it with your life. Exactly. Like I, I don't have the mental capacity to trade all day, especially when I'm day trading. And so I, I've kind of built this mindset. I've got some guys that, I trade with sometimes every once in a while who have helped me with this, this, this trading to a daily nut idea um, where you kind of have a number in mind. You're, you're, you're trading to make a certain amount and then when you hit it, you're done. Yeah. And it's very refreshing and incredibly empowering because as I was doing this early on, I was finding I would do really well in the first hour, hour and a half of the day. And that would be the high point of my equity for the day. And a lot of times I'd end up red and stuff. And, and part of it is because the opportunities aren't the same. And part of it is because your brain's fried. You're exactly. You're not reacting as quickly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's exhausting yeah. to sit here and watch every tick and, and oh yeah, and, definitely and take in all this yeah. information for a full six and a half hours or whatever it is that the market's open. It's just, it's not realistic. I don't care how smart and eager and young you, you guys are. It, you have to respect making money in this business is really hard. So if you make, if you're a day trader and you make a nice chunk in the morning, dude, call it a day. Exactly. And so that's, I've, I've been very faithful to that and it has increased my profitability within my day trading strategies incredibly. Um, and a lot of times I, I'm fortunate enough, like today I said, I, I, I by like nine o'clock this morning, our market opens at 8.30 here. By nine o'clock, I was like double my target because yep. I'd like to personally thank Apple for that. <laughs> uh, but it was, and I'm like, I'm done. I walked into the kitchen at like nine 9.05 and my wife's like, what are you doing? I go, I'm done, which is always a scary thing to admit because then she's got a whole list of things she wants me to do. <laughs> so a lot of times I like, 
I shouldn't admit to that, but yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm still working, hon. Not quite there yet. <laughs> yeah. But with us moving and everything, there's uh, there's a lot to do right now. So I, it's it's really been it's it. I'm getting used to it. Like it's such a different way of thinking than anything I've ever done. I love it, but I'm not comfortable with it yet. It's like wearing some new clothes that you look really nice in, but you're 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 not. It, it's like this isn't me though, I, and so, yeah, exactly. Like feeling stress free for the rest of the day is like awkward. It is, isn't it? <laughs> so on those days, if you guys, for anybody that follows me, if I'm like firing off a bunch of tweets in the middle of the day, that's me doing my best not to trade. <laughs> you know, usually I leave my office and I go sit in another room of the house or whatever, and I'm 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 tweeting you know, I get these brainstorms and start ram- rambling on. Um, and a lot of times that's, that's, that's avoidance techniques. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, before that, uh, Tom, I kind of just have a couple rapid fire questions for you and then we'll, uh, we'll jump to the work center questions. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, so me and JJ, we were talking about this last podcast and, uh, you know, this is something both of us are, you know, terrible at. And I want to hear your thoughts because you have family and uh, kids um, like, so when you have, have a bad day trading, how do you let that not spill over into your personal life? I don't. My children always knew when I had a shitty day. <laughs> it used to be a running joke. Bad day, dad? Bad day? <laughs> like, yeah, if I ever got angry with them, it would just be, oh, I see. Rough day in, rough day in the market. Yeah. You know, they, I have four smart asses. So. Yeah, go, go, go lock your doors. Yeah, go run in your room, lock your doors. Uh, but to answer your question. Early on, I, I, it was difficult. I didn't handle it very well. Um, I would carry my emotions from the day um, into my family. Um, over time, you know, and a lot of that is just time. You learn how to, how to control that mm-hmm. better. You one of the things that you build as a trader is this in, this this intense resiliency that comes from your ability to overcome and and that allows you to get your ass kicked and walk away and go okay i can i can recover mm-hmm. learning how to recover is an incredibly underrated skill, in my opinion, in all aspects of life. Very true. Because as you as you fail and overcome it, and fail and overcome it, and fail and overcome it, and you keep doing that, you're building this bank of confidence that the next time somebody takes you out at the knees, you're going to be able to get up again. And so it doesn't happen overnight. It, it's just one of those things that you build through your life. Um, and sometimes it doesn't feel like everything's going to be okay, but because you have an experience bank of overcoming obstacles, whatever they are, you start to realize that no one day, no one trade, no one bad situation, no one failed job, failed marriage, failed class, whatever defines you. It just doesn't. Well, that's and it's never 
down the road nearly as big a deal as it is at that mm-hmm. moment when you're experiencing it. And so when you suddenly get to the point where you can draw on all that experience to know in the moment that, okay, what just happened was horrible, but I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Your emotions start to even out on this stuff. I mean, it's sure. it's the same in reverse about good stuff. It's like, okay, I'm not that good. I'm not that bad. Everything's kind of, and you just, and a lot of it, it's just mm-hmm. life. If you're observant enough, and I encourage all of you to be really observant about your life, you will realize that the high moments and the low moments, whatever you're feeling is nowhere, is, is, is like magnified massively in the moment, mm-hmm. but it's time right, right. forward. They're blips on the radar screen, both good and bad. Mm-hmm. So sure. y- you learn to kind of take stuff in stride. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, so Tom, who, who are some of your favorite people to follow, uh, like trader, trader wise on, um, Twitter? Well, you guys, of course, <laughs> my man. Uh, let's see. Who are some of my favorite follows? Um, I've got, got some interesting, some guys that I follow just because they entertain me. Um, like TikTok, I think he's funny as hell. Most of the people that I follow, I think uh, I, I follow because they entertain me. I don't really follow them because I think they give me great information because I'm arrogant enough to think that whatever information I have is better than everybody else's. Um, I've gotten to be good friends with uh, a handful of people out there. Um, Anthony Crudelli's, Crudelli's gotten to be a good friend of mine, uh, and I really like him. Uh, Pax is a really good dude for those of you that are um, in futures trading. Yeah. And, and both of those guys are, are, are awesome. Um, if you're into trading low floats and, and stuff, I, you know, I, I, I know Nate Michaud pretty well, and I think he's a pretty good guy. Uh, he, some people may not be fans of his, but I think he's got a, he's got a great heart. He's one of the smartest humans I've ever witnessed in terms of how fast his brain works. Um, Offshore Hunter is an amazing trader, probably the best trader I've ever had the experience of being around. Michelle Koenig's her name. And uh, she lives up in Montana half the year and lives in outside of uh, Phoenix, Arizona, the other half of the year. And she's an unreal trader. Uh, And so I follow her. She hasn't post that much um there's probably a bunch of others that i'm forgetting i wish you told me you were going to ask me that question before you did because i'm going to get all kinds of guys going dude you didn't mention me (laughs) well and uh uh, i gotta add jimmy jude to that list too oh jude's jude's hilarious i've never met him i just know that we're going to have a lot of fun when i do yeah no Um, he's a piece of work man he just reminds yeah, I mean, me, you know, of the. He just when I started, the the floor was was closing in Vancouver, and uh, Jude reminds me of of the guys who trained me, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I really miss that. So it's 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 he's a great follow. Yeah, I I, I enjoy some of the older guys. I, I also like some of the younger guys because they they've got a certain swagger about them, and and I like to kind of just listen and talk about my bad trades and stuff <laughs> and whatever and. <laughs> just know that 
wow, I could kick your ass really if it really came down to it. <laughs> <laughs> I like carrying that. But because it's a young man's game, you know, and it's, you know, we old guys got to, you know, I'm competitive. Like I'm just competitive. Tom, Tom so, you, uh, you played hockey yourself when you were younger? I did. Yeah. 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 I grew up I talk, sure. You got that feistiness. Yeah. And, uh, it's phenomenal sport, man. No, no, there isn't a sport out there in my opinion. I'll get a lot of people who will disagree with you, but I don't think there's a sport out there that teaches you more about life than hockey because you don't have to have a specific talent, mm-hmm. but if you work your ass off, you can go pretty far in that game. Mm-hmm. And it's all about team and it's all about, I mean, you're, you're, you're nowhere near, you can't do everything alone. You, you have to have the other four guys. I mean, it's just, but the microcosm of what it creates, and it was such an awesome experience for my boys. I, I will be thankful for it for the, I mean, the time that we got to have together as a family and, and, and me spending time with them was, was unreal, mm-hmm. but it's, but the, the, the bonds that you build through that experience when you're traveling all the time and whatever, and, um, it was tremendous. It's just tremendous. And it's such a cool sport. Everything, everything's spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Everything, it's, so it's a lot like trading in, in a certain respect that you kind of have plans and you kind of have ideas of what you want to see happen and right, what you, right. you're kind of going to do. Mm-hmm. But then but then the bell goes and the shit hits the fan and everything's lighting up and you got to figure – all of a sudden it's like everything's – Exactly. You know? Exactly. There's a lot of creativity. It's not like football where it's like, okay, Bobby Joe, you block this fella mm-hmm. and, and Earl, you come around and block that fella. And then you fill that hole and, and, and take out the, you're the lead blocker coming through the hole and the guy with the ball goes behind you. And that's the play. It's like, well, and you, you don't, you don't have that in hockey, hockey. Everything is spontaneous combustion because the play is constantly changing. And so right. all you have is just this loose set of rules and, and basic guidelines. And then everything just explodes from there. You got to mm-hmm. create off of it. How would you describe your uh, style, like coaching style? Well, this is funny. Has anybody watched the um, – they got that little thing about the Oakland Raiders on HBO right now. Oh, uh, yeah, Hard Knocks, yeah. Hard Knocks thing. Well, apparently, according to my wife, because we watched it for about 20 minutes last night, we're watching John Gruden, who's – I mean, he's motherfucking guys up one side and down the other, and then he's going and slapping them on the ass and telling them he loves them, and yeah, then he's motherfucking <laughs> them as he's walking away and whatever. She goes, oh, look, honey, he's just like you. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you like Gruden? I, like, oh. I like Gruden I am, by the way. Um, I'm a very – I'm pretty intense. Um, uh, I, c- I couldn't tell. But – as a general rule, people enjoyed playing for me. So I, I, I push people. I, I demand that they're curious about what they're capable of because I think everybody is so much more capable than what they think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a good coach pushes those boundaries, builds belief in people. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to tell you, you can do something that you don't think you can do. And then I'm going to horse whip your ass until you do it. <laughs> and then we're going to sit there and go, well, I'll be damned. Look at that. Yeah. You know? And it's like, now you just learned a whole new level. And, and, and it's like, it's that push. And so, um, a, as a coach, I, you know, I, I would feed my emotion into them. 
to get them to, 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 to push to higher levels. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, that, that's, that's what a good coach does for sure. Yeah. You know, I, um, you know, like we were talking, we were talking beforehand, Tom, I played hockey. Um, yeah. And I definitely not the most talented as far as like, uh, like scoring, <clears throat> like, you know, puck handling, but I was very, uh, very gritty, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, uh, it was, I don't know, it was just a lot of fun. You know, you could take out your aggression. I was a big talker, you know what I mean? You know, I like to get in people's head, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so what you're saying is you had a little, you, you had a little trash talking ability and you, and you had the ability to chirp guys and whatever. And Absolutely. I got, yeah. I mean, uh, one of Chirping's my, a big part of hockey, <laughs> one of my favorite, big part of my favorite moment, Tom, um, uh, probably like my, one, in my high school. Right. And it was a, it was a big game, you know, like this televised event, um, you know, p- packed, the rink was packed. And, um, you know, there's a, there was a guy who was, he was going to a D one college. I forget on the, on the opposing team. And, uh, you know, my goal was, you know, I was going to go take him out. I was going to try to get him out of the game. And, um, I, I did exactly that. I want, I got him to, uh, you know, throw a few punches at me, try and rip my helmet off. And, uh, yeah, good times. Oh, the school loved me afterwards. I was like a hero for that week. That's cool. oh, boy, you're, you're famous as hell for doing that. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like an icon. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So Tom, last question, and then we'll jump to the list of questions. Um, let's get your uh, top three book recommendations. Of any kind or in trading? Any kind. Well, any I'll, kind. I'll pick at least one from trading. Reminiscence of a Stock Operator. If you're a trader, you have to read that book. You just do. I just, there's too much, there's too much wisdom in there. There's too much knowledge that there is that he unloads. And there's too much humanity that he exposes in that book for you not to read it. Exactly. Um, I do think Trading in the Zone by Mark Douglas. I'm going to go way beyond three. Sorry. Um, Not good. And then the book that helped me the most from the specifics of what I did for 20 years from a swing trading standpoint was How to Make Money in Stocks by William O'Neill. Um who was the creator of the investor business, um, the uh, investors business daily IBD newspaper and the whole can slim methodology that many people are fully aware of. Um, that was the genesis and the basis for how I did what I did. Um, as far as fiction books, which is my passion. Um, I'm a huge Stephen King's fan. And I think The Stand is probably one of the most incredible books ever written. I did go see Chapter 2, It Chapter 2, the other night, and I was disappointed. Um, But that's a phenomenal book also. Um, I'd probably be here for a half an hour, so I probably shouldn't go too far into all all my different literature stuff. Um, But if you don't – if if you like fiction – I think there's a lot of really good stuff out there that you can read, and I, I strongly recommend it. It's great for your brain. It's it's actually a great uh, release from trading because sometimes you need to take your mind off the market mm-hmm. and give it a rest. And I think that's a great way to do it. So, uh, all right. Anyway, I'll 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 leave I'll leave it at those because I could probably list twenty, and we don't have that kind of time. Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> all right all right so yeah so with that we'll uh we'll jump into uh, the listener questions and uh yeah for, for all the listeners we um take questions every week uh no matter what type of question cool. uh get them into us we like them serious funny whatever 
And so our first question comes from at Michael Wilson. Uh, question for Tom. Uh, many will want to know about trading process slash man- management styles he uses. I'm interested in how he develops strengths and manages weakness in that process. I don't know. You kind of talked a little bit about that. I don't know. Do you, you want to? Uh, yeah, I mean, we talked a, a, around it a lot and and dealt with kind of how I do things and what my process was in general. And it, it'd take too long to explain exactly what it is in detail. Um, managing strengths. Well, how did he, how did he phrase that? Strengths um, on the strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, he's, yeah. He said he's interested in how he develops strengths and manages weaknesses in his process. I don't know that I develop strengths. I just, I mean, we all have our own strengths, sets of strengths and weaknesses. It's really important that you get in touch with exactly what those are. Like my strength is I have no fear. I have no fear getting in a trade. None whatsoever. I do not consider the consequences. I assume I'm right every single time and I, and, and, and I aggressively go and I don't think twice. Hmm. My weakness is that I have no fear and I go right into it. <laughs> exactly. You know, so you have to kind of understand I'm really good at executing trades. I have no problem taking a trade. The problem is that can lead to overtrading. So you don't want to take that, that quick trigger away, but you have to, you have to, put some harnesses on yourself through, through, through a variety of rules so that it stays a strength and doesn't become a weakness. Because more often than not, whatever strengths you have, if you don't manage them, become weaknesses. It's not so much managing your weaknesses. It's more about, to me, it's more about managing your strengths so that they don't run amok and go out of control. That's... Well, that's a very good point. Because knowing what your weaknesses are, you you learn what they are and and they get culled out of you to a certain degree because generally they cost you money. And at some point in time, it starts to hurt a lot. Mm. To the point where you go, I've got a problem here. This is a weakness. I can't do this anymore. I can't entertain this. I can't go to this dance. Every time I go to this dance, I get drunk and make an ass out of myself. I can't go to that dance anymore. You know what I mean? And so pain usually takes care Mm. of you managing your weakness. Right. Yeah, definitely. I don't, for a long, long time, I was no longer allowed to day trade because it only cost me money because I didn't have the emotional maturity to manage myself. I just knew it. And I got tired of working really hard in my swing trades and I'd keep this side account so that I could day trade some every once in a while. And I'd just barf back, barf back half mm-hmm. my profits. Mm-hmm. And then I get so mad that I gave back some of my money doing something I'm not supposed to do that I became obsessed with the fact that I had to get that money back to right think to write the ship because I was doing something that I wasn't supposed to be doing in the first place. So we need to like erase it from our memories. And then that loss would only get exacerbated because I wouldn't let it go. I mean, it's, those are the, those are the demons you live with. 
I know I have those demons. So you lose enough money and your weaknesses get get fixed real quickly because either you go to zero and you go have to get some other job or you get real with yourself and you say, I, mm-hmm. I can't do that anymore. Yeah. And uh, yeah, shout out to Michael at Michael Wilson for the question. We appreciate it. Um, next question uh, comes from at wing girl trade. Ray and JJ, how did you get a highly respected trader and individual like Kenny to appear with you two clowns? They paid me a lot of money. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he kind of seems like a guy he would, we would hang out with. So he seems like he fits right in with us. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. JJ, yeah. any, anything else to add? Uh, she's a troublemaker, that one. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. I think we're going to, we're going to ban you from asking questions for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, shout out to you, Wing Girl Trade, for the question. Um, I like how she, exactly. Can we go back over that again? Exactly. How did she categorize me? That um, was really nice. Oh, highly respected. Like Respect- highly respected. Wow, that's nice. Trader and individual, not just <laughs> yeah. a trader, an individual. And individual. Wow. I would like my children to see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, we'll make sure. Yeah. Make, force them to listen to this. Um, here we go. Okay. So. Uh, next question is from uh, another friend of the pod um, at M Trade in Media. Um, JJ, how is the treadmill coming along? You know, I went to go buy the treadmill and that guy flaked on me. So I just went to the gym last night anyway. But uh, I, I am still, I will get my used treadmill. Being the cheap bastard that I am, I, I will find a good one cheap. I'd sell you mine. Because- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, for up to Saskatchewan, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do they do they even even ship to Saskatchewan, JJ? Yes, they do. We deliver my moose. My moose. My moose. Yeah. All right. I'm glad you're getting one though. Yeah. All right. Because that exercises everything. Exactly. I'm going running right after this. Yeah. Well, you know, Anthony Crudelli, we're going to have him on the show. He and I are both kind of heart attack buddies. So I know. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's a fitness freak right now. It's, it's, it's really embarrassing and annoying. And it, I know like I, I literally for the last two months, because he ran, he, he did some two mile run or something. And then yeah, some marathon or something or just two miles. No, he doesn't. I mean, he, he but he ran two miles really fast and, okay, set that's still- time, and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And so I've been like changing all of my training stuff because I'm trying to like, I want to run a half marathon. And so I've been kind of working on sort of a training thing. And I got so flustered because of how fast he ran those two miles. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I can't come within three minutes of that. I am like, I've got to figure out how to do that. And I can't do it. I can't come anywhere close. Yeah. Of course he's got like 12 years on me. So, Oh yeah. Well, that's yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. I, uh, I quit doing cardio like eight years ago. I just catch me lifting weights. I just stay to that. Anyway, I got to do more of that. Apparently he doesn't lift any weights when he goes to the gym. He just goes there to look at girls. <laughs> JJ, I'm multitasking. It's a valid, it's a valid yeah. reason. It's a valid Jeez. reason. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Uh, he, he works out at one of those, you know, kind of Beverly Hills type gyms. It's not a real gym. There's no, there's no chalk or blood or you know any <laughs> kind of thing like that. That's the, you don't work out in a real gym. Oh God, uh, Neil, what do you expect? Uh, oh man, hey guys. All right, all right. Let's move on. Next question. We got a, <laughs> we got two more. Um, next one is um from at Ready RD one hundred one. 
Um, and so, so Tom, uh, bear with me a little bit because this one's for you, and it's kind of like a loaded question, right? Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm curious how Tom manages the stress of being a full time trader. Does he have monthly goals? What will he do when there is no trend in the market? How much trading capital did he start with as a full time trader? You kind of want to tackle this one at a time. Yeah. Okay. So first part was, um, how do you manage the stress of being a full-time trader? Um, I don't have a choice, do I? <laughs> no. I mean, it's, that's kind of a, 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 a rough shot answer. I mean, how do you manage the stress? Well, I exercise a lot. Uh, and that helps. I work very hard at investing myself in other things so that trading doesn't define me and doesn't is doesn't own my life um, I, I I you know for the longest time I was I stayed very actively involved as I've said several times with my kids and when I'm engaged and involved with the kids I don't I mean even if I'd had a horrible day I stopped thinking about it because I'm more you know hmm. if I'm watching my boys play hockey I could have, I could have lost 20 grand that day and I could care less because mm-hmm. I'm watching my boys play hockey. There's nothing better than that. Right. So there, it's always, I mean, for me, good days, bad days, whatever, you know, I've had, I've dealt with enough in my life uh, to know that whatever happens bad in the market, I've dealt with worse and I've made it. And Whatever happens in the market, nothing's more important than my family and my time with my family. And so it's just kind of keeping keeping your priorities in proper place so that you don't ever let trading and your work define who you are. You let the other valuable things in your life define you. So, I mean, I, I don't know if that, right. if that answers the question or not, but that's sort of how I feel. No, that's a bit. No, I mean, I think that's a great take. Yeah, no, I mean, that seems like the optimal approach, honestly. Um, all right, so next part of the question, uh, does he have monthly goals? I know you said you had daily goals. Do you have monthly? Well, I now have daily goals or a daily target, I should say. Um, here's what I've always done. I've got a trading account. And I take money out of that trading account and put it into our checking account every single month. It's a fixed amount to cover our, our monthly expenses. Whether I make money or I don't make money, that money comes out. So I don't like take out, you know, because my my income, especially when, when when I was swing trading, was sporadic. It would come in huge, it would come in chunks. And so in my mind, I'm always trying to get back to where I was after that money came out because it goes out right at the end of the month. Um, didn't always work that way, but I always knew that I had a big month coming. So that's how I did it. It, it helped me. Um, I tried it a couple of times taking, taking all my expenses out for the year in one lump sum. And it didn't work as well. Uh, so I found for myself that 
monthly withdrawals come hell or high water, whether it was a good month, a bad month, whether I made money, I lost money. I just, out it comes and the bills get paid like, like, like it's your income. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's just how I've always done it. And it's, it's kept me stable, um, from an emotional standpoint in terms of all the, uh, uh, the ups and downs of, of, of how the account bounced around. Mm-hmm. What will he do when there is no trend in the market? I used to do nothing or work really hard at doing nothing. Um, because when, when my methodologies were in favor and I was focused and energized and on top of it, it paid me really well in a very, very short period of time. So I didn't worry about it and I just waited because the, I was, the more I was able to wait until all the odds were stacked in my favor, the better money I made. So I, I, I was able to finally over time build this mantra in my head that doing nothing was making me money. Because if, 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 if the environment wasn't right, whatever I did was going to cost me money. Exactly. Yeah. And my stats bared it out. So I got, I got, I got really rigid about knowing that, okay, the environment's not there right now. I'm just doing nothing. People are like, well, what about this stock? What about that stock? Well, this one's taken off. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing it. I'm just out. Exactly. Exactly. I'm going to play golf or whatever, you know, hard thing. Yeah. Hard thing to do. Right. Um, all right. And then this is the last part of the question. Uh, how much trading capital did you start with as a full-time trader? Um, I started with 50 grand. I'll just be blunt. I started with 50 grand. I lost it all. Um, I had a dad that loved me a lot and believed in me and loaned me a chunk of change because uh, he knew I was making progress and getting better. And that accountability helped me tremendously get really laser focused because mm. um, mm-hmm. I wanted to pay him back. And that was kind of one of the things that um, got me going. And I started to do really well after that. Um, and he was kind enough over time to just say, eh, keep it which was really nice. So, um, yeah. So I'm, yeah, cool. I'll always be thankful for, for that, uh, boost. Cause I know a lot of people probably don't have that luxury. And so, you know, to be honest, that was, that was how, how it, how it, uh, kind of panned out for me. Yeah. Wow. And uh, from there I just, I grew and I grew. And then there was a period of time actually where I, um, I had three or four people, my dad being one of them who I managed their money. Um, and just took a small, it took a percentage of the profits mm-hmm. and that also helped me build my pot. Um, right. I did that for about three years and, uh, my pot at that point, finally between my money and, and, and the fees that I was generating off of that. Cause I had a couple of really good years, uh, was enough that I felt like I had enough to really make a go. And, uh, I gave them all their money back cause I couldn't stand managing other people's money. Wow. Yeah. Um, 
and then since then i've just kind of been doing my own thing yeah well you know thanks thanks Tom, for sharing that man like uh i mean that, that's powerful man i mean for for you to get to where you are today after losing fifty thousand dollars i mean i mean i couldn't even imagine that had to have been devastating you know what i mean and uh, it was uh it was pretty humbling yeah, yeah well no I, <laughs> was, I, but i thank you for was, sharing it because i mean that, that's encouraging for the people out there who are struggling you know what i mean it's like i, I was way too aggressive way too early you play yourself. way too aggressive mm-hmm. like i was smart enough to only put up you know like I, I i only started with 10 grand and then i added another 10 grand and then i you know i was i was doing it slowly but i was still way too aggressive and was in way too big of a hurry to make a lot of money. And it, it slowed my process down tremendously. It took me probably three years to really become profitable consistently. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I could have shortened that if I'd not been so aggressive. Um, like I wanted to make money. Like I'd, I'd, have, I'd have two or three days where I'd consistently trade small shares or whatever on a relative basis and be like, oh, I got this. Okay, let's go. You know, and it's like, it's just stay patient, mm-hmm. stay patient, stay small, build just this huge bank of consistency. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, yeah. trade 50 shares, trade one fucking oh, micro yeah. contract, just trade. Exactly. And say, okay, if you're, if you're a futures trader, exactly. try and pull 15 points of, Pull 10 points, forget your commissions, pull 10 points a week out of the market. Uh, yeah. Something stupid, S- simple, but just do it week after week after week after week after week and build that yep. consistency, consistency because what that's doing is that's feeding your brain with confidence that you've got a reliable system. And that is so important. And then it becomes commonplace to you mm-hmm. and you start learning the nuances within that. And you start seeing how, okay, I, I can actually stretch this out and make 15 points a week because I'm, I'm shortcutting trades. I'm, I'm taking them off before I need to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and remove the stigma of making money as long as you possibly can. Mm. Because it, when you start to scale, yeah. it creates its own demons. Trust me. It's and, and JJ, I know you know this. I mean- Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's a whole different world when all of a sudden, I mean, if we can talk in futures language, you're trading one contract to trading 10 contracts or trading 20 contracts. It's just, it's a whole different animal. Yeah. Like your brain starts to explode inside your head and it's like. It is. It is. You know, it's, it's just, it's just one extra, you know, one in front of a one, but. It's huge. Boy, the, the, uh, the mental weight <laughs> Uh, of size, you know, is, is as, as a retail trader, because I mean, I'm used to trading size, right. right. As from the institutional side, but not with my own account, <laughs> you know? So that, that is a big thing. And I hit a level with my, with my swing trading that I just could never get past in, in terms of my, you know, tr- position size and stuff like that, where I just, I would try and I would get dysfunctional every single time because I just couldn't handle the weight of a certain size trade. So. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, last question we got, and uh, this is from Raj in, uh, in our micro e-minis future room. Uh, question is, uh, what is the DOM? Oh, uh, that's just the depth of market order book. It's just where you enter your orders. DOM is a oh. depth of market, D-O-M. 
I wish stocks had a depth of market. Well, they, <laughs> they've got level two, I mean, but it's meaningless. So I've, asked, I've asked the guys that I'm that I'm that I'm trading with. I'm like, do you guys have a? I mean, Trade Station's got a, You can you can do stocks off of a dom on Trade Station. Okay. They they actually have it. They're the only ones I've ever seen. I'm sure there's probably others, but I would love it because I love the way that the futures, in terms of managing orders and stuff, oh so yeah, just click and pull it and 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 all of that and, and slide see them. what's out there. Yeah, I just yeah and slide them up. It's just to me, it's a lot easier. Uh, there's probably a lot of execution tricks that I still don't know that are out there for um for for day trading for stocks. I just love how easy the the dom is in terms of uh, order execution yeah. and order management. I think it's just. I think Thinkorswim has one too, uh, if memory serves. Do they really? I, okay. I think so. Um, you know, um, I, I think I've seen Peter Reznicek use that on Shadow Trader in one of his videos when he. I think he was trading Apple or something like that. But um, interesting. Yeah. Okay, I'll check that out. So I've got Thinkorswim. I, I mean, I, I don't really have an account there, but I've got. I've got it. Like, yeah. I'll check that out. Though. Yeah, they That's call it Active it Trader. It's it's a tab called Active okay. Trader. Yep. All right, I'll look at All it. All right, and then shout out to uh, Raj um, in the Micro E Minis, Minis Future Room for the question, and shout out to the whole uh, you know team over there, Mini Team, Mini Squad, uh, whatever we call ourselves over there. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> you guys are building quite a business over there, it's, eh? I'm, it's growing. It is. I, I I'm really um, you know like you were saying not not to try and teach people i'm just trying to teach people how to see yes and and my my whole uh, the whole goal of me is to make myself obsolete so i get them to, them to a point where they don't need me thank you that's beautiful you know i wish there were more like you yeah no i mean and speaking as someone who is a student and who's like learning um you know because because i don't know if you know tom like like my first go around of trading i was trading the low folks uh the penny stocks and um you know i blew up half my account and then i was like all right you know f this i'm going straight back to poker you know what i mean like i got no chance in this and now learning from jj um and i equate it to poker and i don't know if you're going to get this analogy or others are going to get this analogy but like with poker like i'm a theory based player right i play i play off of you know uh gto strategy game theory optimal and like that's how jj comes across to me is like teaching he doesn't teach you what to do this is not where to trade this is not what to do but he's teaching he's like you said how to see and then from there incorporate your own style so like it's it's something i really appreciate and i know people in the room do well and it's a it's a i mean i know market profile and and seeing the market that way is a really uh I, like I'm in the process of starting to learn it because I know it's going to help me with my stock trading. Mm-hmm. Even if I don't ever trade futures because the stocks I'm trading are so heavily influenced by the futures to know where those key supports are, where the key resistance is, where stock, where, where price needs to go back and retest. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All the, all that stuff. It's just, it just adds another, a whole nother layer that makes you that much smarter with whatever stock trading that you're doing, if that's what, if, if it, that's what it really helps. And you can, and you can throw a stock on market profile and, and see structure, which is really, I wish I had had that. Okay. That was my question. Can I do a TPO chart on like, on like stocks and it'll, it'll yeah. be the yeah. same it, kind of data. It, it's, it's I mean, I don't amazing. see why. <laughs> it's, yeah. Like, like Tom, um, it, it, this, this still fascinates me. Uh, Jim Dalton, he used market profile for real estate, right? JJ. That's that's the story. Yeah, I, I've heard him say that that story. It's, that that man is just amazing. Uh, I have a buddy, odds trader, and I. We were like, we have to find a way to do- download his knowledge because you know he's just the amount of knowledge that guy has is, is just scary. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. And he's oh influenced so many yeah. traders. So many. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy cool. All right. Um, any uh, parting thoughts uh, before we get off, Tom? Uh, I think I've pretty much said everything that, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what we were going to talk about. So, and we ended up, we're now an hour and a half into this. And so I don't know about you, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty wiped out just from talking. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's hard stuff. No, I'm good. I, um, you know, we never really got back. The one thing that JJ said in last week's podcast, when you guys were talking, and I won't spend more than two minutes on this, but I want to reemphasize it for everybody that listens to the podcast. He said, it's amazing what you can see when you don't have the weight of a position on. It's probably one of the most profound statements that I've heard. And I so fully agree with it. So many people that I run into get stuck in trades that are, that are down. They're in losses that they don't want to let go of because they think it's coming back. And it may very well come back. But the point I want to say to people is, you can't think clearly, and you can't see the market, and you can't see other opportunities as long as you're buried in a trade. Because if you're in a trade at a loss, your brain works totally different than if you're holding a trade with a gain. If you're holding a trade with a gain, you can see the market and see if there's other things going on. But if you're holding a trade with a loss, all you do is see the market through that loss. And so your greatest avenue to future success is just to cut it and get your brain back to neutral so you can see again. I've done this. I can't tell you how many times I've just cut losses only to then go right back into that stock where I cut that loss because I was able to think clear enough to realize, no, I still want to be in there. Hmm. Very true. But sometimes when you're clouded and you're buried in a loss that's grinding on you emotionally and so you can't see what's going on, just sell it. Exactly. You've already lost the money. Yeah. Just get get rid of it. It's gone. Get rid of it. You know, and the other thing is where else would that money like if you're a long trader, like I'm primarily a long trader and it's like I'm buried in a position. It's like, okay, is my capital in the best place it can be right now? Is the stock that I'm in at a loss on, is that the most likely stock to go up right now? Hmm. And the answer 99 times out of 100 is no, it's not. So that's why you want to take that money and put it somewhere where it can be more effective. It's just... Don't don't hold on to it because you're letting that loss identify you, and it's just it's just a loss. It's only money. It's only money. Just move on. Definitely. And get clarity in your head by getting to cash, getting to neutral. There's so much power in that. Anyway, I thought it was a really cool thing that you said, and I love the way that you said it. That's all I got. All right. All right. Absolutely, Tom. Um, thanks for coming on. Thanks for shedding dropping a bunch of nuggets of wisdom on us. Um, I learned a lot. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, everyone go follow him on Twitter at Kenny four, right? Yeah. At Kenny four. Thanks yep. for having me. Yep. If you don't, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed yeah. it. And uh, follow, yeah. Follow JJ as well at VWAP trader one. Um, 
yeah, if you guys enjoy the podcast, rate and review it, like it, whatever, do all that good stuff. We really appreciate that. Um, if you guys want to learn from JJ, come visit our trading room, micro e futures dot or micro e mini Uh, you can find it somewhere. We're out here. Um, and, uh, yeah, with that, uh, we're out. So for the gorilla or Tommy two time, I'm the philosopher pimp. Have a good one guys. All right. Have a good night.